Today we have a very special episode of Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. In part one of this two-part series, Kelly will be sharing her reunification story between her and her birth mother, and we'll be talking to one of her best friends, Kim Brains, about their trip to meet Kelly's mom, Donna K. Evans. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid. And for yourself, because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid, and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. I get a lot of questions about reunifying with my birth mother right when i started the agency i had not reunified with her at that point you knew you were adopted but you hadn't contacted your birth mother correct i had not contacted my birth mother we started the agency building arizona families in 2004 i had my third child in 2004 as well almost born at the same time as Building Arizona Families. And we experienced some medical issues initially in the first two years with her that prompted me to want to find out a little more about my medical history. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. In addition, I was meeting with more and more women who were going through the adoption process. And at that time, I was case managing birth moms. It was pretty much... A two-woman show at that point. It was myself and the other co-founder, Angie Penrose. Mm -hmm. I was obviously very hands-on and working with the moms and with the adoptive families. And it gave me a different perspective on adoption. The perspective that I had had up until the point of being a few years into the adoption community and the adoption social service world was almost non-existent. I was a school counselor and I had worked with adopted children. I had been studied in my, you know, in my master's degree and my bachelor's degree, I had worked on studies of adopted children. I'd read things. Mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't something that I really embraced. You know, being a part of the triad, being one angle was not something that I looked at and identified with. Did it kind of seem unreal to you in that it wasn't concrete? You couldn't touch it? Okay. Yes. Because I had such limited knowledge of who my birth mother was, I had no picture of her. I had no name. I had just the hospital you were born in, the three facts that we talked about, knowing Mm -hmm. that she... P.E. is the one I remember. (laughs) She loved P.E. Which turned out that I really doubt it. And... (laughs) She was from a very large family, which she was. She was the third youngest of nine, Mm -hmm. and that she was 16. 
Okay, right. And that was all I had. And as a child, I didn't talk to my adopted parents very much about adoption because I wasn't sure what their reaction would be. A lot of adopted children, and I was one of them, are afraid to talk about adoption with their adopted parents because Mm -hmm. they're afraid of hurting their feelings. Right. I fell into that category, and I didn't want to hurt their feelings. So I didn't talk about it. You just kept it in. Right. Which is always good policy. You keep it in, you bottle it up, no, you try and push it down. No, absolutely not. That's you, not you what you do. You make it a little ball. <laughs> no. no. That doesn't help anybody, including yourself. Okay. So I, in 2006, actually, I believe it was October of 2006, I made the decision that it was time to start the process. Of reunification or at least finding who she was. Or at least fi- trying was. to find who she was. Okay. At that time, all adoptions were closed. Mm-hmm. And I was adopted with the use of a private attorney. So it wasn't through an agency. There Mm -hmm. wasn't an agency to contact. It was through an adoption attorney. So when I spoke with my adoptive parents and shared with them that I felt it was time in my life, in my career, that I was going to begin the process of hopeful reunification. During this process, I asked them for their support and any further information that they had. They did provide me with the name of the adoption attorney. And I learned at that point that my adopted mother had sent him a Christmas card every year for really? uh, my entire life. Your adoptive mother did? Yes. Wow. And so hmm. that was something new. And when you're looking for information as an adoptee, you really are looking for anything. You're Mm -hmm. looking for any little piece. So I would start to jot notes down and I reached out to the adoptive attorney and he was an elderly gentleman at that point. Mm -hmm. And he, he talked to me about my adoption of what he remembered. Uh, He had told me that the records that he had no longer existed uh, back in the day at a certain point, they just incinerated them. Right. After a certain amount of time, you just, yeah. you got to, you'll be overwhelmed with files. Right. So they right. literally That's incinerated them. Like That's kind of sad <laughs> for you. Yeah. So I. Or anybody else going through that process. He informed me at that point that he wasn't a regular adoption attorney. He was an attorney that had a relationship with the family physician that my mother had seen when she was 16 Mm -hmm. and found out she was pregnant and had known that my adoptive parents were looking to adopt. What happened next was kind of a a surprise. The attorney that did my adoption uh, was still residing in Ohio and said, ironically, uh, his daughter, he was flying out to spend some time with his daughter in Arizona and was going to be uh, visiting in the next two weeks, I believe. Just by chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so he did. And he asked if he could meet me. I got to meet him and his daughter. And we went to dinner. And he told me what he remembered. It For him, it had been, you know, 30... 30-ish years. Yeah, 30-ish years. <laughs> and it wasn't a lot that he remembered. He remembered that... My mom was very young and that pretty much what I've been told that her mother had, had a lot of children and she was a single mom at the time mm-hmm. and she just couldn't raise another one and that I came as a surprise. And so he was very positive and talked a lot about my adoptive parents and how amazing they are. 
And that was, you know, it was great to hear that they were so well liked by him. After the phone call, I did the next step, which was I signed a petition uh, and filled it out to the court in Ohio to have them open up my court case. Mm -hmm. The only way that they would be able to release my original birth certificate and the non-identifying information, which was more information than I currently had, would be if my birth mother had gone and signed a release saying that she would allow the case to be opened. Okay. So I sent off the request, paid the $20 fee. About four weeks later, I get a letter in the mail and my mother had signed it. I called the clerk of the court to see if there was any more information she could give me other than the birth certificate, which I had, and the page of non-identifying information. And she said that that was all they had. And she said that there were, I believe, approximately 20 applicants that month that were adoptees that had sent motions in trying to ask if their records had been opened up. Okay. And I was one of two or three that that was able to receive the information. Right. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I never win any time, (laughs) but I just won the lottery. And so that was really exciting. So I was able to see her name. Uh, She didn't list a birth father. So you saw her first name, not her last. No, I saw both. Oh, okay. So it's not like the non-identifying information that we see There was also that as well. Yeah, that's all changed. And so I learned what race she was, what religion she was. Mm -hmm. It was how tall she was, how much she weighed, that type of a thing. Okay. And I was able to see the address that she lived at at the time that she had me. Okay. So that was all really neat. So I hired a private investigator. I found her first. <laughs> Before the PI I did. did. Okay. I Good job, Rockford. Um, yeah. I actually came in. It was hard to find her because she'd been married four times. So it the name kept changing. So it was a little hard to find her. Uh, what was very interesting was the address that she was living at, that she was pregnant and had me, was a block from where she was currently living. Really? So yes. she'd gone all this way and kind of ended up Came right up full circle. a block away. And did that because she said that she wanted me to be able to find her easier. So when I had gotten the paperwork from the court, she had signed it back when I was actually 22. Mm-hmm. And so all those years had gone by that I hadn't looked, that she was expecting me. She had thought when she turns 21, she'll come looking for me. And I didn't know that was her thought or feeling. And so that's obviously a huge regret that I would have had more time. Yeah, that you didn't do it sooner. Yes. And, you know, she had done everything that a mother would do. I mean, she had contacted Unsolved Mysteries and they sent her back a letter saying, I'm sorry, you know, we can't help you. This isn't really our forte. Right. Right. And so she saved that. So when I talk about meeting her for the first time in a second, you know, she hands me the letter. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) And so on on the, the paper that she filled out that says that they were allowed to release my records, she had said... She wrote on there, I think it was like, you have two brothers, and I never stopped looking for you, and it was really endearing. I actually found her sister-in-law first, mm-hmm. because when you're doing research, sometimes like a relative will pop up, and the phone number 
so I found her and ironically, it was like the stars aligned is kind of what happened. Okay. So she was one of the few people that knew that, that your mom had had, had a, a baby adoption. Yes, and an adoption. And her husband is my mom's brother. Okay. And he's younger than her. So my mom is the third youngest of nine. And I spoke with the youngest wife, if you will. So that he was still in the house at right. the time. Oh, okay. And at the time of my birth is what I'm saying. Oh, I see. And so she had known that my mother was looking for me. And so at first she, you know, starts, I actually had uh, a coworker call her. I just couldn't do it. And um, she, you know, said, hey, and explained all the information. And she said, okay, yes, I think we, I think this is it. And she went over to my mom's house and brought her, uh, it's a baby girl balloons to celebrate. Yeah. Oh. And we set up a phone call. I believe it was for the following day. And again, I had the coworker kind of come over after hours and sit with me and we made the phone call. Help you build up your courage and your, yeah. Yes, yeah. we did. And we called her and it was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. It started off with her asking me, well, first of all, I couldn't understand her at first. I, yeah, the her language accent barrier. was so thick, <laughs> and she spoke such strong Fluent West Virginia ease. Oh, West Virginia! <laughs> that I could not I, understand. I, it was a lot of, um, pardon, excuse me. Could now you, you spent most again? of your life to this point in San Diego and Phoenix area. Uh, I lived in Ohio and in Missouri until I was twelve, and then from twelve to eighteen in San Diego, and then from eighteen on and. Arizona. Okay. So I wasn't real fluent in uh, West Virginia. East. What you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Gotcha. It was really um, thick. It was really thick. Okay. And again, she would use some words that I wasn't familiar with, like Davenport. I didn't know that was a sofa that was like on your front porch. I, did, I didn't know That's a lot right. of that kind of stuff. Davenport. <laughs> yeah. You told me that last time. I did. Like, okay, I did. Davenport is a good one. It is. So that's what it is. It's a couch on your front porch. Mm-hmm. So in that first phone call, we, we talked a lot and, uh, my coworker went home after that and mm -hmm. my mom and I probably spent the next eight to 10 hours on the phone. Wow. And then Just all day the next day. And, and that was on a Friday. Uh, I took my best friend. She and I flew out the following Wednesday to go and see her. I didn't take my husband at the time and the kids because I really just wanted to focus on her and, and her. the reunification. Right. Yeah. And my best friend who went with me was amazing. She fit right in. And I knew that mm -hmm. she would fit right in. When, when she shared with me that she has an aunt named Bama, I knew it was a match. I knew she'd go and she'd be just fine. <laughs> Okay. Um, we got there and, uh, I was a nervous wreck. Uh, we wound up videotaping the whole thing because, uh, my friend Kim insisted mm -hmm. and I thought she was crazy, but I thought, you know what can it hurt? I can always just delete them later. And now I'm so grateful I did because when I look back at them, I will say that it's not the, the lifetime movie-esque. Perfect, happy ending. It was, but it wasn't. Like where the music slowed down and we ran to each other in slow motion. <laughs> it was me thinking, 
I think I'm going to throw up because I was so nervous. Right. And I have a frozen smile on my face throughout the whole time because I'm in utter shock. Mm-hmm. I I have seen a picture of her, but to see her in person. Moving and talking and just being and there. And being a real human being right. after wondering for 34 years who this person was. Mm. It was just like probably waking up from a coma almost after so many years. In a weird way. I can you know, I Getting totally out of prison after that. 31 years. That right. type of a thing. And so we, we get off the plane and she's waiting there and she has an armful of roses one for every year that she missed my birthday. And my brother Clarence was standing behind her and he was grinning. And so you're not only meeting your mother for the first time, you're my meeting brother. your brother right. for the first time. Right. I mean, this is huge. It, it is. As nervous as she was, and I, I was nervous too. I mean, both of us were really nervous and I'm sure he was nervous. I didn't ever ask, but I assume somewhat. And we had talked on the phone as well. It was... Surreal is probably the best description. It was surreal. It was one of those moments that when you're having a hard day, it's always nice to go back and think about. Just kind of smile. But at the same time, you also think that was really awkward. Mm -hmm. I remember at one point she she was hugging me and she was crying, and I was still smiling. Right, (laughs) I was still frozen, kind of frozen in shock. Yeah, plastered on smile. And uh, I believe that Kim was probably crying. Because as an outsider looking in, and she has adopted children and biological children. Oh, really? Okay. And so she got to see it from a different perspective. So in meeting my mom and seeing her for the first time, I will say it was was funny because her personality really – she has a really strong personality, a Mm -hmm. really bold one. She's hilarious. And it came through. She was hugging me and crying. And then she stopped hugging me and she pulled away a little bit. And looked at me and she said, you're short. <laughs> and okay. I, I just kind of looked at her and I said, you're shorter than I am. And, you know, yeah. like it was. So she was shorter than you yeah. and still yeah, casting yeah. aspersions. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that was that was kind of funny. It kind of broke the, the, the tension a little bit. Right. Yes. And we really wanted to preserve that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that. People in the airport were all looking at us and wondering what's going on because it it was a little bit of a scene. Right. And I'm not one that really likes to draw a crowd in that aspect. So um, it was a private moment for me, but in a very public place. (laughs) (laughs) Again, making it a little more awkward. Good. Right. Yeah. Especially when someone's videotaping the whole thing. (laughs) So Kim Brains is joining us on the phone. She uh, is one of my best friends in the world. Who went with me on my first trip during my reunification process with my birth mother. And I thought it would be kind of fun for Ron and I to speak with her and ask her some questions and get her perspective of what it looked like. Now, you're an adoptive mom yourself. Yes. And you have two adopted children. Yes. Internationally from Ethiopia. Right. And at the time that we went to Ohio to meet my birth mother for the first time, you actually had only had one adopted child yep. at that time. Yes. I hadn't actually got to experience um, going to my children's birth country and picking up my child and that whole entire process. That hadn't happened yet. Um, the first child we brought home, I stayed with the other kids. And so I felt like I was really missing a piece at that point. And I remember... 
um, being very excited about <clears throat> going with you and being there to support you, but also being there to be a part of it on my end, too, to see how that all felt and to see how it played out, how it looked. It was just another part to a bigger puzzle. I think that's a really good way to describe it. Nice. So <laughs> if you can remember, as we were getting off the airplane and we're walking through the airport, I remember being an absolute wreck. Yeah. What do you remember? Yeah, you, I remember you were a wreck well before getting off the plane. It was a difficult process. I guess in processing it was difficult because there was a little bit of the fear of traveling. We were leaving our children. Remember that, Kelly? We were I do. leaving our babies, our little ones behind. And we were sort of on this journey together, and you weren't excited about flying at that point. So I was there, and I really felt like I could be supportive. You know, you're so strong, and I had a chance to be that person for you. And that made me feel good, but getting on the plane and just kind of feeling that nervousness that you had. I mean, like it was something I could genuinely feel for you. And walking through the airport, it was just like, I remember it being empty, the airport, and that long hallway. It just seemed like we were walking forever to go down and get a rental car. And just feeling like at any moment, somebody could just turn around and we're not going to know who it is. And they can just pop up and it could be your family. And it was, it was something that we had talked about for so many years in becoming friends with you and through adoption, just going on and talking about how it felt for you, what were your experiences. And so I had years of background of what you felt and what you were already thinking. And all of those for me too were just sort of culminating into this moment where at any moment, any second, somebody could just turn around and it could be your actual birth mother and brother. You know, and it was just like the anticipation was sitting in your heart and in my heart, just like what's going to happen next? How is she going to look? How is it going to go? Or is it going to be awkward? Are you going to hug? Are you going to run like in the movies? Or is it going to be more subdued? So it was a lot of excitement and a lot of feelings adding up to that moment. Now, did you, as you were about to meet your birth mother, did you ever kind of just even for a second think, I can't do this. I'm turning around and going home. I don't remember. I don't remember having that thought. <laughs> okay. Because I think I would. I think I would I be like panicked and think, I can't go through with it. So. I, I think I was really so nervous that I was thinking, I don't know how to take my next breath. Mm -hmm. And if I do, I'm going to throw up. I just remember that feeling. What do you remember of it, Kim? What was I, do you remember? Yeah, you were so nervous. I don't think I'd ever seen you that nervous, nor have I ever seen you that nervous again. And I guess having adopted my second child, I can only imagine uh, that feeling. Now, I, I could place it then, but now having flown to Ethiopia and picking up Nettie and getting ready to meet my adopted daughter for the first time, who was four, I remember being on the plane and feeling that same feeling I remember seeing you feel at the airport, mm. getting ready to land. This is like a wedding or a reunification or it's, it's just the unknown and it's so, um, the adrenaline almost takes over and you're just, you can't breathe. And I remember you feeling like that and just watching you and you're just, I don't even know that you were talking, but the look on your face was just like, <gasps> kind of frozen, like what's going to happen? <laughs> so Yeah. Now um, I heard yeah. about her smile. Did uh, she keep that smile on the whole trip or was it just the beginning? Oh, the frozen smile. I, you know what? I would say that it was a predominant smile. Yes, it was, it was definitely, I, it was just not knowing 
um, there was a lot to learn, and we can look back at that point and say there was so many things to understand and learn. I mean, you're meeting an entire family, not just, you know, she didn't just meet her mom, she met a lot of people, and it was overwhelming and completely almost a different culture altogether, and so it was like being in another world, being in another land, and her and I stayed up a lot of nights um, talking, just talking so much, and trying to put it together, like make it make sense, because it was still probably, I don't know, Kelly, what do you think, years away from making sense. I mean, it took time to sort of put it together and make the entire experience. Yeah, that's something that we're actually going to be talking about in a little bit. But yes, absolutely. It, it, It did take a long time to compartmentalize everything and put the whole puzzle together and look back and say, okay, now I get it. But I tell you what, it, it's awesome that you had such a cool support structure to go out there and to talk with you every night and to just be there for you and say, OK, we're going to work through this together. I don't know these people. You don't know these people, but you're related to them and I'm going to help you. That's neat. Right. Right. And I, you know, I will say that as we, you know, as we we got into the airport and you know, Kim is one of those people that can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime about anything. Okay. And so she can kind of fit in anywhere. And I remember we uh, we went to the airport. We, I'm sorry, we went to the rental car location, picked up the rental car. My brother actually drove with us and my mom drove her own car. Mm-hmm. And we got to the house and I... At that point, when we got to the house, I believe that my brother's girlfriend and her children were over at that time and some other people. Is that right, Kim? Am I remembering this correctly? I believe so, yeah. And I remember turning around and Kim's sitting there with a cigarette in her mouth and a beer in her hand. (laughs) And I thought, I didn't even know that you smoked. (laughs) She didn't until she went to West Virginia. It felt like family to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. like we're having a party, I'm just gonna jump right in. <laughs> and you did very well. <laughs> and I did, yeah. It was. Um, I always remember thinking that I did feel at home with your family. They remind me of some of my family, different parts of my um, upbringing, my roots. Kelly and I joke around a lot that we've been related somehow, um, <laughs> and this just goes to prove it. But it is a different culture altogether. And a lot of times, um, <clears throat> I just remember your face was like, uh, uh, because for me, it felt a little like, okay, I can, this is sort of normal-ish. Um, but for you, it was like a really big, it was like jumping into cold water or just mm-hmm. walking into another world. Right. And I remember Donna just being so genuinely herself. Like, you know, you meet her, that's who she is. What you see is what you get into yes. the story. And I remember thinking it was so different because the cultures, how you were brought up versus, you know, your biological family and the different regions of the you know, United States. But that um, I thought, how, is that, how are they related? It's like it wasn't making sense to me. But then there was one point where your um, mom yelled for a soda and it reminded me of you. I'm like, oh, there it is. She had your voice. She had your tone of voice. She was yelling for some diet soda, I think, Kelly. I can't remember. Like, yeah, get me a soda or something like that. And I I'd heard you say that a million times on the phone to your kids. Like, hey, kids, go get me a soda or whatever. And I thought, how is that possible that they almost sound identical in every way and they'd never even met? And I'm like, yep, that's, that's her mom for sure. For that's sure. when it clicked for you. Okay. It did. Because I also remember we were, we were, a lot of our discussions, 
discussions were really deep and, and, and still, even after the proof is there, even after all these things, even after like your mind knows, but your heart is like, what in the world? Like maybe, maybe not, maybe is this possible? Can this actually be happening? There's sort of maybe a little bit of a denial. Like, I don't know if this is, if this is the real thing. Didn't you feel that way, Kelly? I remember we talked about that a lot. Yes. Yes. It, it was surreal. Yes. It was and definitely I never, surreal. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this, so I might as well on a podcast. Um, it was overwhelming for me. It was, I know it was overwhelming for you and just being there and, and, being empathetic to what was happening and being involved and having known your story and, and being your friend and all of those things and having this love for your family, it was it was hard. The emotional part of it was um, almost draining a little bit. I don't know if you felt like that in yourself, but I felt like whew, I needed to take a breath for a second. I remember once I think I just went and took a walk because it was really surreal it was overwhelming like is this did this really happen you and I stayed up on the phone so many nights talking about what it would be like if you met your family um who were they where where could they be living what happened what was your story and I remember you sharing that when you were younger you had created a story um, to sort of make everything make sense in your child's mind and so having that childlike story sort of clash with your new reality it was Mm. overwhelming it was like one side of the story that you created to, as a coping skill had to meet reality. And those two meeting, that, that meeting place was a difficult place. It was very um, emotionally draining. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by Ron Raines. We also want to thank Building Arizona Families, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. A special thanks goes out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption for part two of our discussion with Kelly and one of her best friends, Kim Brains, about Kelly's reunification with her birth mother, Donna K. Evans. For Kelly Rourke's Gary, I'm Ron Raines. We'll see you then.